Father in heaven, you are good and you are gracious to us. And so we praise you, the Almighty, the King of creation, the one who spoke galaxies into existence, the one who loved us with an everlasting love. And as we continue through the Psalms, through uh, this worship book, that I pray that you would just continue to cultivate in us a heart and a desire to worship. In my own heart, in my own life, not just through singing, although that is, is clearly important, but just through our lives, that there would be worship. And that in, at this church and at others, that Christ will be exalted and Christ will be honored um, with our lips and our hearts and our minds and our strength. Lord, as I open your perfect word, your holy word, I ask for just strength and grace because I'm broken and again and I need this as much as anyone else and I need to hear the words and I need to come back to the words because I constantly am straying and wandering. And so I pray that you would fill me, empower me, that your spirit would be working in, in this room, uh, that you would be falling fresh upon us, that you'd be giving us ears to hear, uh, you'd be equipping us to be uh, passionate followers of Christ, Lord, through your word. And so uh, be glorified, be exalted, be lifted high. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. I was cleaning out the minivan with my wife, I'm not with my wife, with my kids last week, and I came across this. For y'all young folks, this is called a cassette tape, all right? All right, and you can Google it if you don't know what that is, I know, I understand. But back in the 80s, in the early 90s even, if you were truly a hipster, you might make yourself one of these bad boys. Like we didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones. We wrote letters and we made tapes, right? And so if you wanted to impress a significant other, what you might do is you might make them a tape. And it was really complex because what you'd have to do is you'd be listening to the radio and you have to have the tape ready. And as soon as the song would come on that you're like, you're like, oh, and you have to hit play and record real quick. And you'd always miss the first like line of the song and it would get in a blur and then you go on. But you could put together a compilation of songs, right? And you could send it off to your sweet thing, right? And to impress them. And if you were really super crazy and committed, what you might do is you might actually call the radio station and request a song. <laughs> and then you sit there for like an hour and a half waiting for your one song to come. It's like you hit the record button. True or false? My wife did that for me. I won't tell you. <laughs> True. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right? And the goal, the goal of this whole process was so that when you sent that tape off, that person would remember and they would think about you and they would, they would get excited. And, you, and that was the goal. You wanted them to remember you. You wanted them to think about you. In fact, on this bad boy sit back in 1997 by yours truly to my now wife. It says on the front, tunes to remind you of me. <laughs> See? So I'm not lying. I got the, the evidence right here in my hand. And the psalm we're going to look at this morning is, is really much like that. This is a psalm that David wrote where he wants to remind himself of something, that he wants to think about something, that he wants to get excited about something. And so what he's going to do is he's going to make a tape so that he remembers that tape for us is Psalm 103. Psalm 103. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, there's one under the seat in front of you. Just open it up right to the middle. Boop. That'll be the Psalms. And we're going to look at 103. Now, this is the original Bless the Lord Psalm. This is what we get the title for the series. We've been in this series called Bless the Lord. And our desire is to cultivate worship and to be worshipers. And this, 
I cannot think of a better psalm to cultivate worship in this church than Psalm 103, because this is the one that David is trying to cultivate worship in his own life. He's trying to, to remember, right, to worship. And so he makes a tape. And for those who remember, these bad boys, they got two sides, side A and side B, right? And, and this psalm has two sides. There's two, two aspects of what he wants to remember as he cultivates worship in himself. There's a side A and there's a side B. So we're gonna look at them because again, we wanna be worshipers. We wanna be worshipers. And side A is verse one through five. So let me read it and then we'll jump in. Of David, okay, so David is the author. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David begins by giving a command, but it's unusual because he's not commanding his soldiers, he's not commanding his court, he's not commanding his his kids. He is commanding who? He's commanding himself. He says, bless the Lord, it's a command. And he says to who? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. Self, I want you to do something. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless the Lord. I want you to, some of your translations say, praise the Lord. I want you to worship. I want you to worship Yahweh. I want you to say great things about him. I want you to sing about him. I want you to talk good of him. And I don't want you to do a little, you know, lip syncing praise to the Lord. I can't wait to go home and watch TV. No, that's not what he's talking about. It's, it's with what? With all that is within me. My whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind, my whole strength. With all my affections. Jonathan Edwards used to say that true worship impacts the affections. I want to be all in, as we would say. I, wanna be, I don't want to leave anything on the field. I want to be a worshiper with everything that I have. And he commands himself to do it. And then he says it again. Bless the Lord on my soul. And, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget, David. Don't forget his benefits. Why does he have to command himself to not forget? You know why? Because he knows he will. And so do we. And so that he doesn't forget, what's he going to do? He's going to make a tape so that he does not forget his benefits. And side A of this bad boy, these are good pictures, man. That's good times right there. Side A is his benefits. His benefits. He's going to say, this is the benefits of God. Don't forget, I want to put it on a tape. When I, when I sent this original bad boy out, I didn't just put random songs on here, just kind of like throw a bunch of songs together. I picked songs specifically because I wanted that girl that was up in D.C. when I was in Charleston, South Carolina, I wanted her to think, if I get Bill, this is what I get. Now, I was jobless, all right? There wasn't many benefits at that point in my life. All I had was a Jeep. That's all I had going for me. All right? But I wanted to convince her, if you get Bill, this is what you get. And so I put kind of songs that were happy and fun and reminded of the beach. I put some Beach Boys on there. You know, I put some, this is the 90s, so I put some Jim Blossoms on there and some Toad the Wet Sprocket. And you know, you're like, you don't know who that is. But these are like happy songs. And I want her to think, happy thoughts. This is what you get when you get Bill. Not a job, a Jeep right? These are his benefits. 
But I wanted her to think about those things. And what David's going to say is, here is the benefits of Yahweh. Here are the benefits of my God. And he's just going to list them. And he's going to, who does this? 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 Five things. So let's look at them because it's the same benefits that we as people of God are celebrating. Number one, he forgives all your iniquities. That's huge benefit. In fact, that's the first one because that is the most important one. David's greatest need is not to be a great king, to be a great warrior, to be a great dad, to to have riches, to have long life. That is not his greatest need. What he remembers, what he thanks God for, what he worships for is the fact that he forgives all his sin. Why? Because that's his greatest need. Your greatest need is not long life. It's not healing from cancer. It's not a job. It's not a better marriage. It's not to have kids. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. So was David, and he had some, y'all. And we know it intrinsically. That's why people try to be good and try to get to God, because they know that they're broken. We know it intrinsically. Even, even Milton, the sanctifying dog, gets that forgiveness is number one. This past week, I forgot to get dog food on my way home. I ran out 8 o'clock at night to go get dog food for Milton because he was all out. I come home, and the ungrateful dog got in the trash can when I was out. I'm thinking, I'm going out to get food for you, and you get in the trash can. No, you did not. But what does he do? Because he knows you can't hide the sin. It's all over the floor. He comes crawling up to me on his side, (laughs) rolling over on his back, because Milton knows that forgiveness is number one. He knows it, and we know it, because the wages of sin is death. And so David says, he forgives, circle it, y'all, important word. He forgives all, not 99.99%. What if it said he forgives most of your sin? He forgives all the sins up till today. He forgives sins except for this, this, and this. No, he says all sin. And if you're here this morning and you continually are beating yourself up over something that you've done, I've been a bad husband, I've been a bad dad, I was an adulterer, I had an abortion, I was immoral, I was a liar, I was a drunkard, I was a drug dealer, whatever it is, and you're continually trying, oh, trying to earn God's favor and say, oh, he could never forgive this because I was this. You need to understand that David was all those things and worse. And he understands that God forgives all. In Christ, your greatest need has been met in his sacrifice on the cross. And he forgives all. If you're wondering, can God really forgive this? The answer is absolutely he can if you will come to him and ask. There is no, oh, no, you've crossed the line with this one, boy. He forgives all. And David says, I don't want to forget it. I cannot forget. He met my greatest need. I got to make a tape. I'm putting on the tape. Song number one. He forgave all my iniquity. But he continues. Who heals all your diseases? Now, what's that about? Because clearly we know that not everyone gets healed. David had a, a baby boy that died at seven days old. He didn't get healed. Last time I checked, Peter, Paul, James, those guys are dead. So what's he talking about there? And Hebrew poetry, one of the keys to interpretation is understanding how lines relate to one another. They have something called parallelism. You have it in English poetry, all sorts of poetry, where two lines relate to one another. They complement each other. They, they, they're opposite of each other. Well, there's a relationship between sin and disease in the scripture. Because of, because of sin, there is disease. Because of, because of rebellion, there is death, Genesis 3. And, there, and there's a relationship here where he says, because there is forgiveness of sins, there is going to be healing. Why is that Why is that true? Because in Christ, when you are in Christ, you have been united with him in his death, 
in his burial and in his resurrection, which is what we're going to celebrate with baptism today. When those people go down in the water, they're going to picture what's going to happen to them one day, that they're going to die. But when they come out of the water, it's going to picture what's going to also happen to them one day. They will be resurrected. How do I know we're going to be resurrected? Because Jesus was resurrected. And so this broken body that's, that's falling apart and that it's, it's breaking down every day, pulling muscles, brushing teeth, doing silly stuff, it's going to be in the ground one day, but it's coming out of the ground one day because Jesus did. And that is when I will be healed. I will be given eternal life. I'll be given a new body, which is impossible to sin, impossible to die. I will have joy inexpressible and full of glory. I will have peace that surpasses all comprehension forever and ever and ever. I will have eternal life. And he says, that's what God has done for me. David knows he's going the way of his fathers, but he will one day come out of the grave. And that is what he puts on his tape. That is a pretty big benefit, y'all. Eternal life, pretty big. He greets his greatest need. He, he, resurrection is coming. He says he redeems your life from the pit. What is he talking about there? The pit is representative of hell, of death, of the place of destruction, the place that we all deserve to go, the place where the demons and, and, and Satan are destined for. That is where you were headed. You were going to the pit, and he puts up a stop sign and says, no, I am rescuing you. I am redeeming you. I am buying you back from that. And the word redeemer or redeems is this Hebrew word goel. And the idea is not just, a, a, just some strange dude that buys you back. The idea behind it is, is that he's a kinsman. He is family. He is a relative. He is like you. Who is it that was like us that bought us? In the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's Christ who becomes man. He becomes our redeemer. And he rescues you from eternal separation from God in a place called hell, which is real. Because Jesus spoke of it more than anyone else. He said, I... I I was rescued. David says, I was rescued. Now, if you ever talk, go talk to a, a POW or somebody who was captured, someone who was enslaved, and they were rescued from that, do you think that's something they will ever forget? Ever? No. And David says, but I forget it, so I need a tape. He redeems me. He redeemed my life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Here's a king talking about a crown. How fitting. What's a crown? Something that goes in your head. It goes wherever you go. And who wears it? Royalty. Kings and queens and princes and princesses. Right? And he says, I crown you with two things. These are two words that are going to come back up in this psalm several times. Steadfast love. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It means it's a loyal, steadfast Choice love. I choose to be loyally loving you. It has nothing to do with you. There's nothing intrinsically about you. It is God choosing you, and he is choosing to be faithful and loyal. That's hesed love. Mercy is the word we also translate it compassion. And, and it's the idea of this is the emotive side. This is the emotional. This is the heart. He says, I choose to be faithfully loving you, and I have a heart for you. And I put that on your head so that everywhere you go, Everyone knows it. You are going to the pit. You are going to destruction. I stop you. I turn you around. I clothe you in white. I put a crown of love and compassion, and I send you back this way. Father has transferred you from the domain of death to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have what? Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is what God has done for David. That is what God has done for you if you are a believer. He rescued you, and he made you a son and daughter. And here's the thing about it. You did nothing. 
It's based on his choice. It's based on his love. He doesn't love if you do, if, well, you missed your quiet time, so I'm going to give you a flat tire just so you know, right? So you know you don't do, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're do this, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm not going to love you unless you, you do these things. This is unconditional, no matter what you do, love. That's, that's what Hesed love is. You have to understand, church, this is so essential for you to get. It's so freeing. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more or make God love you less. Do you understand that? I don't care if you memorize the, the Bible backwards in Greek. You cannot make God love you more and you cannot make him love you less because it is his choice. It is his hesed. It is his faithfulness. And David says, even when I was with Bathsheba, he loved me. Even when I was running with the Philistines, he loved me. Even when I was an idolater and a liar, he loved me. He said, I cannot, I cannot forget it. I got to put it on tape. I, I got to write it down. I got to remember so that I will worship. Next one, number five. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And there's, you know, again, poetry has all these images, right? And these metaphors and these figures of speech. So he uses the eagle as one, which is familiar to them because they'd have these eagles and every year they would molt and they'd lose their feathers and they would get new feathers and it would be like they were brand new and they would soar. And the idea is, who is the one who is satisfied? The one who longs for something, the one who needs something is, I satisfy my own with good because I am a good God and I make them strong like the eagle who soars. And this idea is, you have been created to be satisfied in one thing and one thing alone, in Christ alone. That is the only thing that will truly satisfy you. And when you recognize what it is that God has called you to do and who you are in Christ, only then will you be satisfied. You can pursue a career. You can pursue marriage. You can pursue kids. You can pursue money. You can pursue success. And those things will not satisfy. You will only find satisfaction in Him. And when you realize that and you realize what He has called you to do, there is strength. There is renewal, even in trouble. People come up to Kate and I and, and say, hey, how, man, if House Floor Service is going, you guys tired? Is that a, how are you doing with that? Yeah, we're tired. Let me tell you. But there's a great satisfaction on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. I am beat. I am beat, but I, I know that I'm doing what God has called me to do, what he has gifted me to do. And even though I am tired, there's a satisfaction that I can't describe. Go home, take a nap, get up Monday morning and start again. Because God is renewing me like an eagle, because I'm doing what he's called me to do. And when you find out what God has created you to do as a worshiper, there is strength even in weakness, right? And, and David's saying, look, being king is a hard gig. <laughs> being a king is not easy, but God has called me to this, and he has strengthened me in this, and, and my youth is renewed like the eagle. He says, and that's, that's his benefit. And I don't want to forget it, so I'm going to put it on tape. That's, that's side one. That, that's the first side. He's met his greatest need. He has rescued him from death. He has redeemed him. He has crowned him with love no matter what he does, and he strengthens him, and that's just side A. That's his benefits. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's the same benefits for you. But you gotta flip this puppy over. Boop. Back in the 80s, they created this awesome technology where you didn't have to take the tape out. It was like auto-reverse. Some were like, oh, if you had auto-reverse on your car, man, you were, so you just go flip over and, oh, man, 
know, it's great. Yeah. I had like the first Walkman who had auto reverse. It was like so great, you know, I could just be listening to it and all of a sudden it flip over and I was high tech back then, right? So we flipped this puppy over to side B. And what is he gonna go next? He's gonna now talk about what is God like? Talked about his benefits. Now let's talk about who he is. Again, when I sent this, this off to, to Sarah, I wanted her to remember me. I wanted her to miss me. She's up in D.C. I'm in Charleston. So what do you do in the 80s and 90s? When you want someone to think about you and miss you, you bring out the big guns. You bring out Journey. <laughs> you bring out REO, Speedwagon, and Air Supply, baby. I mean, you bring the heat. Because I wanted, I wanted Sarah to think, he is a hopeless romantic. I mean, open arms, mm, come on. <laughs> Little, right? Chicago, Peter Cetera, love it, right? But I also wanted her to think, you know what? But he's cool. So I put some edgy songs on there, you know, a little bit of stuff that I would listen to, a little hardcore stuff. So she would think, he's, he's, a, little out, he's a little out of control. I like, he's, you know, girls like the bad boys. He, he's a little out of control. I like that. I don't know what this is, but it's, it's, it, he's edgy, Right? And I also wanted her to think, you know what, he's, but he's classy too. So I put like a classical song on there. Like I only had one on my entire thing. I had like the Forrest Gump soundtrack and I think there was a song. So I put, here's a class, because I wanted her to think he's a, he's a classy guy, but also a little unpredictable. Put a little country music on there, right? A little John Michael Montgomery. So I wanted her to think, look, he's, he's like a Renaissance man. He's got all these things, right? That's what he's like. And what David is going to say is, here's what God's like. And he's just going to say, this is, this is what he's like. I want to remember it. I want to put it on tape. But he's just going to go through. Look what it says. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. It says, he does righteous things. Only, he only does righteous things. He only does good things. He only does just things. And he, and he helps the oppressed. You think, well, if that's the case, then how come there's so much brokenness going on? I mean, we've got these Nigerian girls that have been captured by this, these Muslims. And, and you've got all this trouble in America. And you've got trouble in the schools. And, and there's, in my office, it's not fair. And how, if that's the case, if God does justice and righteousness, then how, come, then how come everything's not fixed? Because, because one day, it will be. The promise is not for now everything is fixed. The promise is one day, when, when the Father sends the Son, he will then make every wrong right. And he will fix everything, and he will execute justice for the oppressed. Don't think that Hitler can be responsible for 50 million plus deaths and just put a bullet in his head and escape God's judgment. He cannot. One day, God will deal with all the unrighteousness when he sends his son. And we understand that. This week, my wife called me up and said, you need to deal with these boys. I said, put me on speaker. I said, boys, if this doesn't get squared away, when daddy comes home, he's going to fix it. Get it done. Yes, sir. And the idea that behind it is when daddy comes home, he's going to fix it. When Jesus comes back, he will fix it. And we might not understand now all these things and what's going on, but then we will. And he will make every wrong right. And if you're struggling and you're like, but it's not fair, it's hard now. I get that but you need to go back and listen to the tape that the Lord works righteousness. David knew what it was like to be treated unfairly. Was he untreated, fair, treated unfairly by, by Saul? He was a perfect subject. He was a great warrior for Saul and Saul tries to kill him. He loves his son unconditionally, Absalom. Absalom tries to kill him. 
Does he know what it's like to, to suffer unjustly? God anoints him as king, and he's got to run around the wilderness for eight, nine, 10 years, not get what was rightfully his. He understands that the Lord works justice. And we need to get when daddy comes home, it'll all be all right. He says he's righteous and he is good. He says he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. What ways, what acts is he talking about? He's talking about the book of Exodus and essence, the deliverance from Egypt, the 10 plagues, going through the Red Sea, the miracles in the wilderness, the manna from heaven, the quail at night, the water from the rock, the cloud in the day, the pillar of fire at night. He's talking about those things of deliverance. He says he made known all these things to his people. And what was their response? They rebelled. They worshiped a cow, a golden cow. They made themselves a cow. Moses goes away for 40 days, and they're like, okay, the cow did it. The cow got us out of Egypt. And the second part of this, this passage, verse 8, is a quotation from Exodus, where it says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That quote comes right on the heels. The people of Israel have rejected God. They have worshiped the cow. Moses goes back on the mountain and says, God, I want to see your face. God says, you can't see me but I'm gonna put you in a rock and I'll put my hand over your face and I'll walk by and you can kind of see my afterglow. And as God does that to Moses, he proclaims out loud, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Right on the heels of his people rebelling and rejecting him, he says, I am gracious, that's, I am merciful, that's our word for compassion he's used earlier. I am slow to anger and I am abounding and hesed in steadfast love. That is who I am. So I'm not going to destroy these Israelites, even though they deserve it, because I am abounding. I am faithful in my love. That is what God is like. And how often do we come and we worship and we sing and we go out and then we bow down at our cows? We bow down at the, the cow of money and the cow of success and the cow of thinness and the cow of girlfriend and the cow of sports and the cow of, of being popular. And we forget. And how often is God the father waiting like the prodigal father with graciousness and merciness for us. And David says, I don't want to forget it. I'm going to put it on tape. He's abounding. He will not always chide. That's a legal term. The idea is bringing a court case against. All right, he, he doesn't bring stuff up. He doesn't dig it up. How often we do, you're grounded because what you did 18 months ago. I remember what you said when we first got married. My dad did this when I was younger. My mother-in-law, when we were dating, she did X. How often do we dig up the past? How often are we bringing up the past? And, and what he says is, my heavenly father does not bring up what I did with Bathsheba. He doesn't bring up my murder of Uriah the Hittite. He doesn't bring up when I was running with the Philistines. He doesn't keep his anger forever. And why doesn't he do it? He does not deal with us according to our sins. Think about that statement, that God does not deal with Bill Fowler according to his sins. That's an amazing statement. The psalmist says, if, if, if he marked our sin, who could stand? If God marked your sin from this morning, who could stand? No one. No one. And he says, he, he doesn't mark it for me. And the reason why he doesn't, church, is because he poured out his sin on his son. 
The reason he doesn't deal with Bill Fowler according to Bill Fowler's sins, Bill Fowler's immorality, Bill Fowler's drunkenness, Bill Fowler's idolatry, Bill Fowler's rebellion, the reason he doesn't is because he dealt with his son instead of me. He poured out his wrath on his son instead of me. Right? And why would he ever do that? Why would God ever do that to his own son instead of me? Because his love is as high as the heavens above the earth. So great is his, he- his hesed, his steadfast love towards those who fear him. How great is God's love? You want to know how great God's love is? He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's how great. And, and David was a, a shepherd. He used to hang out in the fields. He used to look up at the stars all the time. And I don't know how great he thought the universe was. I don't know how big he thought the universe was. I don't know if he understood the vastness of it. Probably not. We don't understand it. How high are the heavens above the earth? How high is it? It's immeasurable. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture from the Hubble. Okay? Every single one of those dots is a galaxy. Okay? Not a star, a galaxy. There's over 10,000 galaxies in that picture. If you get the high def version from Hubble, 10,000 galaxies. It took Hubble 11 days to take this picture. It kept going around the earth and he just kept taking pictures and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into space. How high are the heavens? Can you measure them? Can you measure how great the universe is? And David says, you want to know God's love? How great is the universe? That's God's love for those who fear him, for David. He says, I don't want to forget it. I got to put it on tape. Don't forget it. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions? How far is the east is from the west? Can you measure that? I mean, think about it. North to south is a fixed position, right? If you go north long enough, you'll eventually do what? You'll eventually start going south. Right? You get to the North Pole, and it's like, okay, I'm not going south. Oh, then I'm going north. But if you go east, you can go east until the cows come home, and you'll always be going east, right? It's immeasurable. East, 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 east. East and west are immeasurable. How far has he taken my sin with Bathsheba? How far has he taken my sin with the Philistines? How far has he taken my murder of Uriah from me? I cannot measure it. How significant is this? He's going to temple. He's going to tabernacle. And you know, just like with some of you, you know Satan's there. Satan's there and and he's sitting there offering a sacrifice or maybe he's singing a song or maybe he's praying and Satan's sitting there on on his, whispering in his ear, who's that girl with you? Oh, that's Bathsheba. I remember what you did to her husband. I remember what you did. How do you sit here and worship God when you murdered her husband? How can you even in good conscience come to the temple, David? You are a dirt ball. You cannot come in these doors. You don't, you're not worthy to worship. How often do you think he heard that? It's the same thing some of you hear all the time and you believe it. Some of you this morning, how can you go sing? Yeah, you haven't read your Bible all week and you're gonna go to church? Yeah, right. Yeah, I, you, I saw how you were talking to your kids this morning. Uh, and you're going to go sing now, and you're going to go teach your little Sunday school lesson? Yeah. I know where you were at 2 o'clock in the morning last night. I know what you were doing, and now you're going to go to church, and you're going to go sing about Jesus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are you? How important is it to come back to what we call the doctrine of justification? If you have been forgiven, you are declared righteous. Your sin has been removed, and you have been given the righteousness of Christ. That's where David goes. He said, as far as, I can't even measure how far he has removed my sin, and I cannot forget it. I gotta make a tape. 
I gotta make a tape. As a father shows compassion to his children, and there's our word again, that mercy, that compassion. Just like a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Why does he do it? Because he knows our frame, and it's emphatic in the Hebrew. He knows that we're, we're just dust. How does he know? He became dust for us. He knows your weakness. He knows how you struggle. He knows how you feel. And he is compassionate, and he shows mercy, and he shows grace. He knows how, life, how short your life is. As a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over and it's gone and its place is no more. He knows it's just a breath. He just, you're, you're just temporary. But his love, his hesed, there it is again. The, the hesed of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandment. He knows your life is like that. He knows you're weak. He knows you fall. He is a compassionate, loving dad. And his, his, his righteousness and his love is from beginning to end. It's everlasting to everlasting. You can't escape it. It's there because he's a loving father. And then he says, he closes this, this section. He says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. He is the sovereign of all those 10,000 galaxies we put up there and everything beyond. He is in charge. He is the creator. He is the God. He has made it. And you have access to him because he's a compassionate father. My grandfather, before he went home to be with the Lord, he had a roofing and siding company in Greenville, South Carolina. And I worked for him a couple summers after college, before I was employed. Uh, and, uh, and he had this big warehouse with all this stuff in it. And, and the workers, the truck drivers, all the roofers, they would hang out in the back and they had a little break room. And it was, you know, they had a little Coke machine, a little snack machine. And when they were down, they would hang out in there. But up front in the offices... My grandfather's office, my uncle's office, now my father's office. And there was a back room. And in that back room, they had Mountain Dews and Moon Pies. Everything you ever dreamed. And none of those men would ever in a million years, they had way too much respect for my grandfather. They would never just walk into that office, run in the back room, grab them a Mountain Dew, grab them a Moon Pie, go sit in my granddaddy's office, just sit in his chair and hang out with him. They would never in a million years do that. Now, he was Mr. Fowler. They only came when, he would, when, they were, when they were beckoned, when he had something to tell them, and they'd be in there, yes, Mr. Fowler, yes, Mr. Fowler. But you know what? When I worked there, i just walk right in, grab me a Mountain Dew, grab me a Moon Pie, sit in my granddaddy's chair, and have a good old conversation with him. Why would I be able to do that? Because he was my granddaddy. Because he was sovereign over B&F Roofing. He was in charge, and I had access to him. At any time, and to all the moon pies I could ever eat. And what David closes the psalm is saying, you have access to the God who is on his throne in the heavens, whose kingdom is ruled over our, and he has crowned you with compassion. He has made you his choice for love. He has taken your sins and separated them. He has met your greatest need. He has taken you from the pit of hell and put it in the kingdom of heaven. And David says, I got to put that on the tape. I got to put it on the tape because I want to worship. But I don't just want to worship alone. David's done with his solo. He'd been singing a solo. He's like, okay, time for y'all to join in. So he closes and says this. He commands now, a bunch of people. He says, bless the Lord, O you his angels, 
you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. He's saying angels in heaven, seraphim, cherubim, all you angels, you need to start worshiping. And, and understand, these are not ones who have been saved. These are not ones who have been redeemed. They always obey. They've always obeyed. They've never disobeyed. He says, I don't care. You need to worship angels. You need to bless the Lord, all of you. Bless the Lord. But he doesn't stop there. He says, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Those galaxies that are spinning, spin for the Lord. Trees, cry out. Rocks, cry out. Oceans, roar. Fish, swim. Everybody, bless the Lord, all of creation, bless the Lord. In every place, bless the Lord. And he closes, bless the Lord. He tells himself one more time, oh, my soul. And it's like he just collapses, I feel like. He's just overwhelmed. He wants everybody worshiping. Bless the Lord. Why? Because of his benefits and because of who he is. Your greatest need met, crowned you with loving kindness, rescued from hell. He's a compassionate father. He, he does righteousness and good. He understands, he knows, he is the sovereign. And the only application, church, the only application to this is not go do a quiet time, it is to worship. It is to speak well, it is to sing well, it is to live well for him. And when you struggle, when you fall, you come back to the tape and say, ah, ha, ha, ha. But he has removed my transgressions and we come back to worship. So the church, what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship and we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna baptize and we're gonna rejoice. And there's one more application. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you are not a follower of Christ, this is not your song. It's not. This is the song of the redeemed. In fact, three or four times in this, this song, he hints at it. He, he, he gives a conditional statement. He says, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him, verse 12 and verse 11. Verse, verse 13, as the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Verse 17, his love is for those who fear him. Verse 18, for those who keep his commandment. He's saying, for those who are followers of God, this is it. This is for you. But if you are not, if you don't know for certain today your sins are forgiven. If you do not know for certain that if you were to die today that you would spend an eternity in heaven, this is not your song yet, but it can be. If you were trying to earn God's favor, I go to church, I go to CBC, I'm gonna get baptized, I read my Bible, I, I give to the church. If you were trying to earn God's favor, this is not your song. This is a song for those who realize they cannot earn God's favor. This is a song for those who realize I am broken, I am, I am sinful, I need God to forgive me, and they cast themselves on the mercy of God and the grace of God for the forgiveness of sins, and they believe with all their heart that Jesus took the penalty of our sin and rose again. It's for those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's this song. And if you're here this morning and, you're, and you're, that's not you, your greatest need this morning is the forgiveness of your sins. It's not to get a job. It's not to live another 150 years. It's for the forgiveness of sins so that you can live eternally and be resurrected with the rest of the church. And so if you are here this morning and you want the forgiveness of sins, you, you feel broken, you feel the tension, I need the forgiveness, all you have to do is believe. All you have to believe, do is believe that Jesus died for your sins, that you're turning from your sin and you're believing in him, the son of God who died for you and rose again. He says, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. And one day, I will resurrect you, I will give you eternal life, and you can come to this God 
the sovereign of the universe at any time because he is your compassionate father. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't. Don't, oh, I'll do that later. Today, believe and experience the forgiveness of sins. And church, today, let's worship with all our heart. Let's not, let's sing with our whole heart. Let's worship with our soul and our mind and our strength. And let's celebrate with that. Why don't you stand and we'll sing. Father in heaven, you are good. We want to bless you and bless your holy name. And so as we do as a church and as we leave, be glorified, be exalted. And if someone in this room does not believe, does not understand the free gift of salvation through your son, Lord, open their eyes to it, I beg of you. Help them come up and ask questions or or seek counsel because we want to, to point them to you, our Savior. And as a church, we want to worship you, our Savior, for all that you've done for us. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.